Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Glad you're with us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. It is Inauguration Day. We're brought to you today by ExpressVPN. We have good, bad, and crazy martinis for everybody today, starting with the good, Jim. We actually have a good martini today, which is something we have not had this entire week. So uh, trust me, it has nothing to do with the Biden uh, administration coming in here. Uh, This is from CNN. The U.S. has officially determined that China is committing genocide and crimes against humanity against Uyghur Muslims and ethnic and religious minority groups who live in the northwestern region of Xinjiang. Hopefully I'm saying that close to correctly. Quote, this genocide is ongoing and we are witnessing the systematic attempt to destroy Uyghurs by the Chinese party state, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said in a statement Tuesday on the last full day of the Trump administration. Since at least March 2017, he says, local authorities dramatically escalated their decades-long campaign of repression against Uyghur Muslims and members of other ethnic and religious minority groups, including ethnic Kazakhs and ethnic Kyrgyz. So, Jim, the State Department estimates that up to 2 million Uyghurs, as well as members of other Muslim minority groups, have been detained in a sprawling network of internment camps in the region. We've talked about this before. This is something I kind of wish had been done before the last day. It almost feels like a little bit of a grenade that the that they're throwing out there to, to make things a little bit tougher for Biden. But hopefully the Biden administration sticks with this because it's true and the Chinese need to be called on the carpet for this in a formal way. This is a good move. It is probably something that a, the sort of move that would have been ideal before the last full day of the Trump presidency. Um, Some good comments from Anthony Blinken on this during his confirmation hearing. He's likely to be the next Secretary of State, echoing it and sounding a fairly tough line on China. We'll see if the Biden administration really that. I do think that the uh, Biden administration would have a tough time rescinding this because it would effectively be saying that the United States no longer thinks that uh, China is engaged in genocide regarding the Uyghurs. Um, Also some indications, it sounds like the Biden administration will not be quickly repealing the various trade sanctions and steps that have been taken against China. Um, That doesn't mean that they won't ever do it, but it kind of means they're not doing it out of the gate, which is a good sign. So, so far the, you know, Biden team's feet is being held to the fire. Um, I think there just hasn't been any good behavior on the part of China that would justify uh, repealing any of this stuff. And so far, so good. Um, hopefully this stays locked in place. We'll see if things uh, shake out, but uh, probably a long overdue move. It's always good to speak honestly in foreign affairs. Um, sometimes you have to make little compromises to placate your allies. But in this case, China is not an ally. There is no point in trying attempting to placate the Chinese on this matter. No, there's not. And I- I'm sure you saw this a few days ago, Jim. I don't have the tweet in front of me. It's, you know, one of those Chinese state media accounts that, that Twitter won't censor. Uh, and it was uh, from some official in China essentially saying that as a result of the camps, uh, Uyghur women uh, are now not just uh, considered baby makers or something to that effect. They can now reach their full purpose as a woman, which basically means they're sterilizing people there. And that's their spin on on what they're doing. So hopefully the evidence is clear enough that uh, this policy will stay in effect and perhaps even more uh, hammers will be dropped on China. That's not worth censoring Twitter, really? Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about ExpressVPN. Uh, they are a great sponsor today because uh, 
Look, there's a lot of reasons why you want to protect your online activity. You don't want hackers. You don't want every place that you visit on the web to be known to advertisers. And you ever, you know, look for a plumber and all of a sudden it's the side banner on your Gmail account. And perhaps other folks can see that too. Uh, but let's talk about censorship on social media sites. That's been pretty popular these days. And what you can do about it. The left... At least some of them want to silence and remove any voices they don't agree with. Twitter and Facebook are supposed to be open platforms. Uh, and a lot of folks don't want their content moderators acting like the op-ed section of the New York Times. So instead of letting social media sites revoke your right to free speech, how about revoking their right to your data? You could just deactivate all your social media accounts, but that would be giving the left just what they want. So instead, you can use ExpressVPN. Have you ever wondered how free-to-access sites like Facebook make all of their money? Well, one way is by tracking your searches and your video history and everything you click on and then selling your valuable data. When you use ExpressVPN, you anonymize much of your online presence by hiding your IP address. That makes your activity more difficult to trace and much more difficult to sell to advertisers. An ExpressVPN couldn't be any easier to set up. You just tap one button on your phone or computer and you're protected. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your data to protect you from hackers, and internet bad guys. It's finally time to say no to censorship and take back your online privacy at expressvpn.com slash martini. By visiting our special link, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN service for free. Again, that's expressvpn.com slash martini. Expressvpn.com slash martini to protect your data today. All right, Jim, let's talk about what we're going to get from the Biden administration. Yesterday, we were fuming over Biden essentially using identity politics and not much else to fill key positions in his cabinet and the sub-cabinet level, uh, talking about uh, Levine in Pennsylvania as the deputy HHS secretary after a horrific record on COVID nursing home policy, vaccine rollout, all sorts of other things. It's, it's obvious why this nomination was made. But uh, the wokeness doesn't stop there, Jim. Kudos to Axios for uh, spotting this. They say power will move from Wall Street to Washington over the next four years. That's the message being sent by President-elect Biden with his expected nomination of Wall Street foe Gary Gensler to head the Securities and Exchange Commission and by Senator Sherrod Brown, incoming head of the Senate Banking Committee. Further down in this uh, bullet point by Axios, it says this, led by incoming Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, the economic policy team has signaled that it will be the first administration ever to construct economic policy around issues like race, gender equality, and climate change, rather than around traditional indicators like gross domestic product or deficit ratios. Jim, last I heard, all that kind of stuff was considered science. I thought this was going to be the administration that believed and trusted in science, or at least, you know, facts. So instead, we're going to go with all the feels, I guess. Gross domestic product. Who pays attention to that anyway? <laughs> you know, um, I'm going to take a moment to kick around the Washington Redskins. Sorry, the Washington football team. But back in the days when they were called the Redskins, their former general manager, uh, and I think it was team president for a while, Bruce Allen, uh, brother of... Uh, George Allen, the senator and the famous George Allen father who had been uh, uh, with the Redskins organization for a long time. Look, let's face it, for the last, you know, since the 1990s, the, the Redskins really had not had, I mean, the early 90s, the Redskins had not had much success. And after a while, you started hearing owner Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen make this expression about how they were winning off the field. And they talk about the team's efforts with charities and community groups and 
teaching kids to eat healthy and exercise. That's all great. That's all fine. But nobody becomes a Washington Redskins fan because they really want to watch a professional football organization that is winning off the field. Every Sunday and on Monday nights, people pay attention to what's on the field. That's, you know, I'm not going to say you had one job. I think all that other stuff the team does can be very important, but that's not what football fans sign up for. They want to see winning on the field. And you can't just hand wave that stuff away. That's really the primary job. All the other stuff is good, but you know, you can only, you know, excuse bad seasons and losing seasons for so long by insisting about, look at all the stuff we're doing off the field. Well, when you know, at some point in the near future, if uh, I hope the economy thrives in the years to come, I hope we all enjoy good times and peace and prosperity. But if we don't, I don't want to hear incoming Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen or anybody else in the Biden administration say, look, the gross domestic product numbers are bad. The deficit ratios are bad. But look at how we're doing in regards to race, gender equality, and climate change. Now, I want to see gross domestic product going up. I want to see the deficit going down. I'm not getting my hopes up very high. Um, you know, they're, they're, this whole idea of, look, we're doing bad by the traditional indicators. So we're going to reinvent is just another form of excuse making. I hope this doesn't catch on, but uh, it's something to watch in the weeks and months and years to come. Jim, based on what we've seen in personnel and policy, what would be different if Bernie was coming in? The rhetoric. That's about it. Maybe some of the staffing. Uh, actually, so staffing would be different because um, Neera Tandon would not be at OMB. We'd have a more centrist voice. That's scary right there. And Neera Tandon still wouldn't be at OMB if uh, we had won a couple of Senate races in Georgia. Big tech is censoring conservative speech and Democrats will be controlling the White House and Congress. Hi, I'm Sarah Carter. Join me on The Sarah Carter Show and we will dig deep into the big issues together. Look, as an investigative reporter, I'll ask the questions no one else is asking. Share personal stories covering wars, the border, and the D.C. swamp, and bring on guests who know what's really going on. Subscribe to The Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's talk about our final martini here now, Jim. And the first thing Joe Biden said he wanted to do when coming into the White House is we're Going to deal with COVID right away. First thing, we're going to get this vaccine rollout going better. We're going to get the relief going right away. Second stimulus bill on climate change and all of our our wish list is going to come out in February. We're going to get these bang, bang right out of the gate. Well, no. Jake Sherman of Politico, or no, Punchbowl News now, used to be with Politico, says Democrats do not expect to be able to send Joe Biden a COVID relief bill until early March. And I'm seeing some rumblings here. That's because the reconciliation process takes a little longer. I'm not sure why, since there's no filibuster at that point. But uh, Jim, everything grinds slowly. And maybe this should be a good martini, given all the crap that's probably going to end up there from all the liberal interest groups and the fact that the Democrats are going to be largely the authors of this thing. Uh, But uh, for folks actually needing relief, business owners needing relief, it's yet again a waiting game. Yeah, but, you know, also, Greg, like, wasn't, wait, wait, isn't this a crisis? Weren't we told, <laughs> time is of the essence. We can't wait, wait, wait. And now all of a sudden, yeah, apparently we can wait. I mean, minimum, today is the 20th. We got uh, 10 more days, wait, is it 10 more days or 11 more days in January? 11, yep. 11, we got 28 days after that. So if they did it March 1st, which is as early as you can get in early March, we're looking at, you know, 39 days. 
Yeah, one more and it would be Lent, I guess. But, uh, you know, this idea, I, I, I thought time was of the essence. This was important. If you're not going to have it done until early March, well, then you might as well take the time to do it right. And we better not see any dumb pork projects or wasteful spending or ridiculous extraneous ideas that got shoved in there because of this. And oh, by the way, we just did the previous COVID omnibus bill just in December. It's not like it was a long, you know, it wasn't, not everybody got what they wanted in this. And yes, Democrats now control the Senate. They're going to have a little more leverage of this. But the whole idea, I, you know, are, are we going to be hearing, Greg, the media lamenting that uh, the Biden administration agenda is stuck in the mud, that Democrat-controlled Congress can't do their jobs, they can't pass legislation, they can't uh, you know, take care of the American people the way they need to? What This is a crisis. This is a pandemic. American people are struggling. The economy is still in, you know, in a long climb out. Well, we're not going to hear any of that. It's all going to be seen as just the normal process of, of the difficulties of passing legislation. Huh, funny how that changes so quickly, Greg. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even when they control everything. Uh, I mean, I don't expect the impeachment trial to go that long. I know business kind of has to grind to a halt while that plays out, but that, that should only take a, a week, maybe two weeks tops. But you can certainly be doing some things behind the scenes to get the, the wheels greased on that. Uh, Jim, the Spoken urgency and the lack of actual urgency uh, that we seem to be seeing on here reminds me of Seinfeld when Jerry's dad down at Del Boca Vista got uh, thrown out of his office as head of the condo board. And then he brought Kramer down to run because he was so popular when he visited. And so he used Kramer as his puppet to be uh, back in power. But then Kramer got caught walking barefoot in the clubhouse. And so uh, Morty Seinfeld says, this is a major scandal. We've got to do damage control. And Kramer's like, well, what do we have to do, Morty? And he throws out all these different suggestions about espionage and tapping phones. And he's like, first, I'm just going to take a nap. And so that's uh, that seems to be what's happening here on Capitol Hill. My guess is that uh, once they actually get their act together and they actually pass the, they, they have a bill written, Greg, how likely is it we'll be told time is of the essence? We have no more time to waste. We must pass this now in early March. When people are wondering, well, wait a minute, where, what were you doing all of February? What were you doing for the first 10 days of the Biden president? Like, it's not like Biden's presidency just came out of nowhere. Oh wow, he's going to become president. I guess we I guess we better get some bills ready, you know. You can pre-write a bill anytime you want. The only thing that should be left is all the stuff you didn't get in the first bill that you still think is necessary. So there's really no excuses, but uh you know, I'm sure we'll hear a whole bunch of excuses come early March, Greg. Well, we might, but I want to be specific here to the Biden folks. Overall, Take all the time you want with legislation. When it comes to small business owners needing some help, we'd like a little bit uh, more uh, urgency on that. But when it comes to all your climate change stuff and your immigration bill, all this uh, liberal woke agenda, really, months, years, make sure you have every punctuation mark right. In fact, I mean, take five maybe years. 2023 would be a good time to get to that, you <laughs> yeah. know, after the midterms. Right. I mean, it's, it's not like you're going to lose the House and Senate, right? <laughs> That could never happen. Midterms always go well for the president's party. Yeah, seriously. Just just relax and and, and take your time over these next two years and uh, really think it through before you bring anything forward. I think that's the best thing for America. Jim, see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. And uh, thanks again to our sponsors at ExpressVPN, expressvpn.com slash martini. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch Podcast. We're grateful for your uh, five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Also, get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch Podcast. Have a great day, and we'll see you on Thursday for the next Three Martini Lunch.